Hello again, dear listener. This is the start of the show. Welcome to Fine, a previously recorded evening of storytelling and otherwise. This episode took place on November 28, 2019 at the Lido here in Vancouver, which is on the traditional ancestral unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. You'll be hearing from some of the excellent lineup of writers and comedians we had that night, including Danica Tebow, Dallas Hunt, Ante Chu, and Alicia Tobin. And throughout the episode, you'll hear music from copyright Linda Fox, who you can find on iTunes and Bandcamp. The song we've started the show with is called 3AM Eternal, from their most recent album, 2020 Dream Vision. And I am your host, Cole Nowicki. To find out more about our upcoming live shows, please visit us at affineshow.com or follow us on the social medias at affineshow. All right, let's get on with it. Enjoy the show. Up first, we have Danica Tebow. Danica started stand-up comedy two years ago, so she could start telling people she was, quote, using her writing degree, end quote. She now performs all around Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. Here's Danica. Um, okay, performs around the Fraser Valley is like the opposite of a credit. Um, thanks, Cole. Those poems were beautiful. Uh, sometimes it can be really hard as a comedian to follow poetry. Um, last time I did, they did a poem about their grandma's death, and then I had to come up and be like, who's ready to laugh? Um, yeah, are you guys ready to laugh? <laughs> um, okay, yeah, so as Cole said, my name's Danica, and if you kind of feel like you recognize my voice right now, it's because for some reason, it sounds like every guy's impression of their girlfriend. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I can't fix it. Um, okay, so just checking in, um, how's everyone's fall kind of going? Okay, mixed reviews for fall. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, mine actually got off to a bit of a rocky start, um, too. For Halloween, I dressed as Miss Piggy, um, and actually more guys talked to me as a blonde pig than a brunette woman. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. <laughs> now I go to bars, I'm like, oink. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also missed out on every single one of those adult Halloween houses. Do you guys go to those? Okay, I really wanted to know, like, how they make them scary for a woman my age. Right? What's in there? <laughs> the girls who work at Aritzia? <laughs> Some of the scariest people on this earth actually work at Aritzia. <laughs> yeah, but what's in there? <laughs> Instead of, like, a ghost that jumps out and yells, boo, <laughs> just, like, a high school acquaintance jump out <laughs> and yell, like, I just bought a house. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that, that's terrifying. Um, <laughs> uh, I am happy it's still kind of fall, though, because it means I get to absolutely keep guzzling my favorite fall flavor. You guys know what it is. Starts with a P. <laughs> Prozac. <laughs> Anyone else have seasonal depression? <laughs> Okay, all of you. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, well. Um, yeah, no, I did actually last week try to cheer myself up by spending 35 Canadian dollars on this beret. <laughs> Thank you. But I just realized this is cultural appropriation. 
as a white woman who's never been to France, I should absolutely not be wearing the traditional headdress of a white woman who's been to Paris once. <laughs> it's just not right. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So at this point in the set, um, I will sort of address the rumors. You guys are dying to know. <laughs> um, I am entering December single. <laughs> okay, applause break. <laughs> um, yeah, it's actually like super cool. Relationships aren't for everyone. Okay, I tried the whole boyfriend thing last year and honestly, just wasn't for him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, absolute. Um, I will sort of actually come out and publicly say, winter is the hardest time to be a single woman because you never know if the guy you're flirting with is like hot or just wearing a pea coat. <laughs> right? Like I hate when guys say we tricked them with our makeup. They're like, went home with a ten, woke up next to a six. It's like, yeah, I went home with a lawyer. I woke up next to a delivery guy with a pea coat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay, obviously I've hooked up with some mistakes in my life, okay? <laughs> um, farthest I've gone with a guy? Coquitlam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, actually, no. I actually once hooked up with a guy from UBC, <laughs> which is one of the top ten farthest places you can go in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. It's basically a different country. <laughs> they even have their own currency, <laughs> um, parents' money. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, she went there. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doesn't it suck that when you're in your 20s, if you're hooking up with people in their 20s, um, at some point you will have to go to UBC? <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm like, back to school. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, <laughs> this is why girls my age like hook up with older guys, okay? We don't want to. How old, you ask? Last week, my best friend got asked out via email. <laughs> yeah. Okay, girls are out here getting sent dick pics as attachments. <laughs> yeah. My friends don't even send me like screenshots of their of their messages with boys anymore. They just BCC me. <laughs> um. <laughs> Okay, uh, yeah, what else have I done this week? Oh, uh, I saw that new movie about Brad Pitt in space. Have you guys seen that? Okay, for the rest of you, if you're wondering if Brad Pitt is still hot, they released that movie on October 12th. Three days later, there was history's first all-female spacewalk. <laughs> yeah, Naz was like, the suits don't fit women. They were like, make them. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, calm down, calm down, okay? I don't want to reduce the careers of female astronauts, okay? I know they did not go to space to meet Brad Pitt. Uh, they went to space because it's the only place they feel safe walking at night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, political comedian alert. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm actually Vancouver's first political comedian who doesn't understand politics or read the news. <laughs> um, I would read the news if they did more listicles. Yeah, okay, think about it. Like, I'm not gonna read a story about where the pipelines are going, boring. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I might if it was called like, five pipelines that totally went there. <laughs> <laughs> 
okay, hire me the news at the news. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, okay, yeah. For those of you who don't know me, I don't normally do like political jokes. I normally just actually stand up here and talk about boys. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this month, boys have actually unionized and refused to hook up with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so space jokes it is. Um, yeah, no, I haven't hung out with a guy in so long. Yesterday, I forced myself to watch a Marvel movie just to remember what it was like. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's bad, guys. I'm like, I'm like an involuntary celibate right now. Or like an incel, as the kids say. Um, don't relax, relax, relax. Male incels are the ones who like commit hate crimes. Um, female incels usually just excel in their careers. <laughs> so looking forward to that. Um, yeah, no, it's true. A lot like guys don't handle loneliness well. Okay, like the male version of cat ladies, gunman. <laughs> <laughs> political <laughs> this lady's like Fuck. <laughs> yeah I told you guys political comedian um yeah I actually like um being alone because the last time I spend chasing boys the more time I get to spend on the thing I love most which is absolutely my phone uh <laughs> yeah having a phone is better than having a boyfriend think about it according to the Facebook ads I've been getting it's a great listener <laughs> Yeah, no guy in this goddamn town has ever fucked me like Telus. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, honestly, you guys, I actually like hope I die alone, um, because that'll mean I was living without roommates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whenever someone my age is like, I'm gonna die alone. I'm like, babe. <laughs> You're not gonna die alone, you're 23. <laughs> you're gonna die next to a stranger you met on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> I live with a stranger I met on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm actually, I'm trying to bravely save up for a studio, but I'm terrible with money. <laughs> um, last year I spent $200 on apps. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and like a lot of them were to help me budget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went to see the financial advisor lady at Scotiabank and she asked me what my money saving strategy was. And I was like, same as every other 23 year old's money saving strategy. Twice a month, I lose my debit card. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't try that at home. Okay, I actually, last time I lost it, someone did find it and used it to buy $60 worth of alcohol and $40 worth of McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, and the worst part was my bank didn't flag that as unusual activity. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you guys froze my account when I paid my cell phone bill. <laughs> They're like, yeah, that was unusual activity. Um, yeah, I lose my debit card all the time. I actually once did lose my whole wallet. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, and someone tried to steal my identity, which is such bad luck for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the bank called to notify me. I was like, no tradesies. <laughs> yeah. They were like, this guy could steal your life. I was like, yeah, maybe he'll turn it around. <laughs> okay, thanks, guys. You've been amazing.
Up next is Dallas Hunt. Dallas Hunt is Cree and a member of Swan River First Nation and Treaty 8 Territory in Northern Alberta. He has had creative and critical work published in the Malahat Review, Art Poetry, Canadian Literature, Settler Colonial Studies, and the American Indian Culture and Research Journal. His first children's book, Owasis and the World Famous Bannock, was published through High Water Press in 2018 and was nominated for the Elizabeth Morazic Cleaver Canadian Picture Book Award. Here's Dallas. So, Tansini to Temtek, Dalsant Nitsukasan, Neomaneheo, Egwa, Wapsusapiotsinia. So, hi everyone, my name is Dallas Hunt. Uh, I am Cree and a member of Swan River First Nation, which is in Treaty 8 territory in northern Alberta, Canada. Uh, and yeah, I wrote a children's book. Um, I'm not going to be reading that to you now because that would be weird. But I am going to read some poems, one of which is an experience about this children's book. I'm going to set my timer though uh, and just go from there. Okay. Okay, so this poem is called Cree Dictionary. So the translation for joy in Cree is a fried bologna sandwich. The translation for bittersweet and bittersweet in Cree looks like a cows and plows payment eight decades too late. The translation for patience in Cree is an auntie looking after four of her own children and two of her sisters. The translation for evil in Cree is the act of not calling your mother on a Sunday. The translation for expedition in Cree is traveling 20 minutes to the only gas station in Faust, Alberta to buy a high guard pizza sub, one of the mini pizza subs. Um, the translation for success in Cree is executing the perfect frog splash on your younger brother. The Cree word for white man is unpaid child support. The translation for conflicted in Cree is your deep, steadfast love for country superstar Dwight Yoakam, or depending on the regional dialect, George Jones, Patsy Cline, or Blue Rodeo. The Cree word for constellation is the Saskatoon berry bush in summertime. The translation for policeman in Cree is Mitzi Nisokan Kokos. That means eat my ass pig. Uh, the translation for genius in Cree is my cook muttering in her sleep. The Cree word for poetry is your four-year-old niece's cracked lips spilling out broken syllables of Nehiyawen in between the gaps in her teeth. Great, thanks. Okay, porcupine. One, there's going to be a lot about my grandmother in these poems. Uh, uh, the Cree word for grandmother is cookum, so you're going to hear cookum a lot. So I'm sorry for talking so much about my cookum or my grandmother. Or actually, no, I should talk more about my cookum or my grandmother and... Fuck all y'all for making me feel bad about that, actually. <laughs> I'm going to talk even more about my grandmother. Okay. Uh, porcupine one. Uh, my cookum could pick up a hatchet with her toes, fell whole oakwoods, keep a fire for weeks, trees speak to one another with vocabularies that could burst the grammars that house us, roots and tentacles spreading, reaching, unfolding, clasp branches like rough and clammy hands, searching for irrigus dirt, crumbling like empire saplings could topple empires if we would just get out of the way. Porcupine... Two, 
My cookum's rib cage, plumage around a plum, skeleton of barbed wire, and electricity bones that catch in the throat of those that wish any of her grandchildren ill, cartilage that bends but doesn't break, bends, bends, and bends until the slack tightens up and slaps white men in the face, cumulus clouds that rumble gray, battering the side of houses, gale winds that utter cree like a caress and a threat, whisper like a brick wall, a stum, if you know what's good for you, porcupine three. My cookum has a fist like a clawfoot pedestal, cast iron fingernails, a gallop like gate, horseshoes for teeth. So when the air pushes through incisors, a warning sign whistle like a death knell. Your bulldozer stops here. Have this conservation area west of your region. On the one hand, clear cut the other to the east. Effluvium and detritus finding a home in an estuary until she inhales all that waste and deposits it at your dinner party in your quinoa salad. Porcupine four. My cookum's tongue cuts through the air like a helicopter blade thrumming, a cerbic nursery mobile, a bed fit to curse you in, spell no roadside crystals can remedy, a burial ground full of hipster dreamcatcher tattoos and smudge kits bought off Amazon for 19.99. the cure for existential angst, not for sale here, vituperative stones fall from round mouths, looking for gemstones, millstones, she'll let you gawk as long as you drown while you do it. Okay. So this poem, uh, I wrote a children's book. It's called The Wasis and the World Famous Bannock. It's about a little uh, Wasis, which means child, who loses Bannock and then has to uh, collect all the ingredients to make more Bannock. Um, animal friends help her, and it's, there's, it's a really deep character arc. spans several. Um, it's very intense. Uh, I was nominated for an award for it, and I went to Montana for it. Has anybody been to Montana here? Okay, uh, I'm sorry, but Montana's fucking terrible. <laughs> um, and uh, while I was there, aside from the old school saloon sort of vibe, um, I went to the ceremony and they didn't know how to pronounce my book for the award, so they just kept fumbling over the name and then they eventually didn't say the name. And so I was like, well, Montana's been great, but uh, I think I'm gonna get the fuck out of here. So what I did was I got out of there, and uh, before I did, I wrote a very angry poem in my hotel room. So I'm going to subject you to that now. Okay, so this is called Born Under Punches in Billings. So welcome to the White Literary Arts Festival. Be palatable, tasty, even be legible. Yes, this is one of those poems about disciplinary relegation, circulation, certitude. You ask for tea, preferably red rose, but they give you coffee, just what you wanted, stained yellow teeth, barking histories of violence, jittery utterances of accusal, how embarrassing, at least suck on a breath mint when you belt your miseries, crest white strips would go a long way. A question from the audience, an appeal to objectivity, Account for yourself, i.e. count yourself um, uh, among the grateful Indians to exist in the space, count yourself lucky to exist generally, but also count yourself. The Bureau of Indian Affairs would like to know where, when, what you are. Sit at the back of the room by the garbage can during the introduction of our esteemed authors. This place was yours long before you arrived here, detritus, but now your work can keep you company. Company is hard to keep in spaces like these. Welcome to the White Literary Arts Festival. There's a swag bag in your hotel room addressed to you. Please find included a power bar, a poster, two candles, and a local review of your book, title misspelled, the worst image of you on the planet accompanying an appeal to attend your event, best indigenous artists. He's delighted to be here, we promise, even if it hurts. At least the booze is free.
Oh, thanks. Okay. So I like to read quickly, so there's going to be a lot of wheezing and breathing, but I have two more poems, and then, uh, yeah. So this one is called A Prairie Fire That Wanders About, or a Poem for Treaty 8. So, oh, Treaty 8 fans here. Awesome. Uh, okay. When you arrive, dust and dirt commingles, spores of larkspur and black knot fill lungs, choke seedlings, annual wildfires clear the rest. Home is a nest crested in the arms of cygnets on the one hand and in the teeth of a nodding donkey on the other, reciprocal kitchen table kinship and reciprocating piston pumps. This is how we live here, questions unwelcome. Every ante in Treaty 8 hugs the same way, thank God, it's only three hours away from Edmonton if you drive fast enough, and depending on what you're running from, welcome. I hope to die here, a place I've been running from my whole life, and yet whose grip on my imagination and whose landscapes I've been preparing to be buried in, if I'm lucky, my whole life. Bury, bury me in clear-cut territories, in hurts that nourish. There's no place to eat, sleep, eat otherwise. I'm here, I shout to no one, and no one minds. Home is when no one cares when you're here, and no one notices when you leave. The clouds here are bigger than anywhere else in the world. They nestle and hail. They blanket my face with gentle stones, accost me until I know, consent, and agree that I will die here, too. And of course, I'm going to end with a poem about cookums, because y'all love cookums. <laughs> 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 This is for all the grandmothers in the house. How many grandmothers? Are n there's no grandmothers here at all. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you organize, you should invite more grandmothers, I think. <laughs> okay, this one's called Cook'em Freedom. Uh, freedom is selecting the premium cable package bundle even though you can't afford it, and even though all you watch are the film channels and TLC, falling asleep to John Hughes movie marathons or reruns of 90 Day Fiance. Freedom is when the empty fuel light shines bright on your dashboard, but you drive to work anyway, lifting your foot off the gas pedal as you careen downhill, momentum carrying you forward. Freedom is a phone bill that will never be paid, but you call your niece anyway to check to see if she'll come over to visit, gossip, and mop your floors for $20. Freedom is a bingo dabber that never runs out, because when it does, you remove the top and pour coffee in to mix with the ink. Freedom is a debt. That's a tip if you want a never-ending bingo dabber. <laughs> Freedom is a debt you can't escape, yet you charge another Slurpee to your overdraft credit card because it's sizzling outside, and raspberry blue is your favorite flavor, and they have it this time of year, and fuck them anyways. Hi, hi. Thank you. Up next is Ante Chu, who co-produces the monthly stand-up show Little Comedy at 8 East in Chinatown. Here's Ante. Hi, guys. I am very glad to be running Little Comedy, uh, the show out of Chinatown. Chinatown's a very important neighborhood to me. Uh, grew up uh, spending a lot of time there. In fact, it was where I saw my first movie in Canada. Uh, it was The Life Aquatic by Wes Anderson. Some of you guys are fans. Uh, from the premise, it's very much a kid's movie. Uh, it's a man who goes to look for a glow-in-the-dark shark. 
Spoiler alert, he finds it. <laughs> and he decides not to kill it because he ran out of dynamite. Very weird movie. But uh, anyways, uh, my name's Ante. Uh, I'm Taiwanese-Canadian. My family immigrated here 20 years ago because China was putting missiles at our country. And my mom was like, fuck that, we're out. <laughs> They've got nukes, we've got bubble tea. It's not really a fair fight. <laughs> so I moved here, and I had kind of a weird childhood. And I always described that to having like a single immigrant parent growing up. And then I talked to other immigrant kids, and they're like, dude, your mom's just weird. <laughs> like I didn't have radio, I didn't have television or internet growing up. So for fun, I listened to sports on the radio. <laughs> and that's how I became a jock. <laughs> <laughs> FM, that stands for fucking manly. <laughs> the weirdest part of my childhood was probably when my mom, every week, uh, would make me do some of the laundry with a washboard. And some of you folks are too young to know what a washboard is. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> washboard, bracket, laundry, bracket, from Wikipedia. <laughs> a washboard is a tool designed for hand-washing clothing. With mechanized cleaning of clothing becoming more common by the end of the 20th century, <laughs> The washboard has become better known for its secondary use as a musical instrument. <laughs> that is not an immigrant childhood. <laughs> that is an Amish childhood. <laughs> so I played outside a lot as a kid. To escape the weird time w warp hole that was my home. <laughs> and I didn't live in Chinatown growing up. I lived in Burnaby. And I lived in like a neighborhood without a lot of other Asian kids. So I grew up hanging out with a bunch of Serbian kids. And it was sweet. <laughs> Nobody fucked with us. Because they couldn't pronounce our names. <laughs> There was Tanasia, Tomislav, Danilo, Ante, that's me, <laughs> and Dean. <laughs> Dean was second generation. <laughs> I learned to swear in Serbian before I learned the words to O Canada. I lived a version of Eight Mile. <laughs> and it was dope. It was, very, it, was a, it was a cool childhood. We just played soccer, ate things rolled in cabbage, <laughs> and denied the existence and sovereignty of Kosovo. <laughs> uh, 
I was young. <laughs> I knew you shouldn't have done it, and I'm truly sorry, but... Like, I couldn't see the irony of a kid from Taiwan being like, ah, you don't qualify. <laughs> I learned a lot growing up, especially from Tanasia's brother. He was only two years older than us, but to us, he knew everything. Like, for example, when we were 10, he taught us about thongs. <laughs> he walked up to all of us. We were next to our cubby holes. And he was like, hey, guys, y'all know about thongs? <laughs> and we're like, no, <laughs> we don't. <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> and Tanasia's brother said, thongs are adult underwear. And we were like, okay, what else? <laughs> and he would not tell us because he did not know. <laughs> so he sort of just took and sat with that information. <laughs> like adults, pay taxes, drink coffee, and wear thongs. Got it. <laughs> He must have been fucking with us, because a few months later, he told us that if you mixed all the Slurpee flavors at 7-Eleven, you would make alcohol. <laughs> and like, children with too much sugar looks like children who are drunk. We just stumbled around and were like, we're adults, we're trashed, give us our thongs. <laughs> uh, these days, uh, I coach speech and debate for young children. Uh, so these kids, they don't get drunk on Slurpees, they're smart. <laughs> but, uh, Sometimes the parents come up to me after class, and they'd be like, hey, Ante, my son Mingi has been giving me back talk at home lately. I'm like, okay, ma'am, this is what you pay me to do. <laughs> you signed up your 12-year-old for argument lessons. <laughs> <laughs> if he thinks you're an alcoholic, you probably are. Job's kind of stressful. <laughs> so to de-stress, I like to go to the sauna. I love the sauna. <laughs> Mainly because I love the verb, schwitz. <laughs> Great word, schwitz. It's up there with schmear and schlub. Some people don't know what that means. So you sound extra cool when you're like, tonight I'm gonna schwitz. <laughs> I fall asleep in the sauna. <laughs> and you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> you get weird dreams if you fall asleep in a sauna. <laughs> like I, I get one where I dream that I'm in a dim sum restaurant and I'm trapped inside the steamer. 
Some of my friends, they do drugs on weekends, and I say no to drugs, because saunas are free. <laughs> I look pretty responsible. <laughs> like if you wanted to hook a laptop up to a projector, <laughs> you would ask me. But I don't like that. <laughs> it's not cool. See, for that one, it feels like you're laughing at me. <laughs> so I went out recently with some friends, and I got blackout drunk. And I woke up the next day, and I was missing $1,000 from my bank account. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> so I, I sat at home panicking. You know, two or three anxiety attacks. And I finally mustered up the courage to call the bank. And I, I'm on the phone with the woman, and she's looking at my account. I can hear the keyboard clickety and clacketing. Anatomia, what's the word for sound? Anyways, I digress. So I'm on the phone, and I spend the, I, I feel that silence. I'm like, please change it, cancel it, reverse it. That's not me. And she says, sir, are you sure? Of course I'm sure. Like, please tell me what I did. She takes a moment, and she says, sir, last night you opened a tax-free savings account. <laughs> That's what I do when I have a few too many. <laughs> Put that shit into index funds. <laughs> so I'm single right now. <laughs> and I'm looking to date. But dating's a bit hard when you're picky like me. Uh, see, bear with me. But I, I like to date a specific type of woman, okay? Bear with me. I like to date busy women, okay? Like women with a lot going on. This way when they dump me, I'm like, fair, she had a lot going on. <laughs> like I want a woman where if I look in her eyes, she's looking at her phone checking work emails. <laughs> but like, it's not that bad. Like I like to date women who use the left side of the escalator. That's my type. <laughs> like, I'm single right now, so I spend most of my time standing at Burrard Sky Train. <laughs> Is that the one? <laughs> but I, I am uh, trying to explore my options, you know. Uh, like, I'm bisexual, but I've never really looked into it very much. <laughs> like, my longest gay relationship was when I spent two hours at a Lush. <laughs> there was a lot of eye contact. 
and I spent $60. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's all for now. Have a good night, guys. <laughs> Our final performer of the evening was Alicia Tobin. Alicia is a comedian and writer living and working in Vancouver. She's the co-host of two popular podcasts, Retail Nightmares and Super Sick Podcast, and the creator of Alicia Tobin's Come Draw With Me, a live, entirely improvised comedy show that has been featured at a number of comedy festivals. She loves baked goods, animals, friendship, and her miniature poodle, Hank Tobin. So you're a little sad, so what is her first book? Here's Alicia. Yeah, that's great. Hi, how how are you? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, I get nervous reading. <laughs> and, oh, I think this happened the last time I was here. I broke the microphone, so I'm very cool. Uh, I like animals. Um, I'm gonna read you an essay uh, about something that happened right across the street from here, and it's called "We Do Need Math." Some people say we don't need math after high school. Incorrect. Of course we need math every day to manage life. This being said, I passed high school math by only one point and risked not graduating because I was so bad at it. Sure, since, since then my mother has said that she assumes I had a learning disability. I wasn't sure why I wasn't helped, but that's okay. The arts were for me. However, I often think about what we could study in our youth to better set us up for a lifelong of life of what the fuck. I get nervous sometimes. Um, thanks. I also go to bed at 9 every night. <laughs> and in 20 years, you guys will too. I promise. <laughs> if there's still a planet, for which I am sorry. Um, <laughs> I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I, uh, I promise you I always have been recycling. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> mm, however, I often think about what we could study in our youth to better set us up for a life a long life of learning how to pay back debt, how to grocery shop, how to have an argument without feeling like you might die afterwards, and how about how to quietly toot when you really need to toot. That's what I call farting. Uh, I mostly only talk about farting uh, off stage. Um, most importantly, on a late summer afternoon, I wish I had learned how to save wildlife, specifically on this day, a pigeon. Mostly because I had already figured out that tooting thing. Basically, I have a master's degree in silent tooting. <laughs> My friend Jasmine and I were drinking coffee in the small outdoor area behind Paper Crane, a coffee shop nestled on the same block as the Korean grocer and the doctor of traditional Chinese medicine. Paper Crane is a real coffee shop. They have a small selection of pastries and a very good barista. The coffee is rich and chocolatey. It'll make you fly for at least an hour. Jasmine and I meet there as it, it, is, as it is equidistance from her place and mine, and as the September sun beat down on us in the parking lot Come Cafe, we heard something rustle. Sorry, I just wrote Come Cafe. <laughs> What's wrong with me? <laughs> it's probably a thing somewhere. <laughs> it's probably something you could watch. Um, by yourself or with company, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's what the book should have been called. I don't know. Anyhow, we heard something moving. Was it our stomachs reacting to the strong coffee? Would I need to silently toot? And we listened again. The sound was coming from behind. Thank you for laughing at all of my fart jokes. <laughs> Round of applause to the man in the front seat right there, yeah. 
<laughs> the sound was coming from behind a bucket of cooking oil that was stored beneath an open staircase. It didn't sound like a good noise. It sounded like a hurt noise. And I, I investigated, and in doing so, scared an injured pigeon. Injured pigeon is hard to say, guys. Injured pigeon into a crack between the staircase and a cement wall. Now it was trapped. Way to go, Tobin. <laughs> You're a genuine idiot. Sure, you can fart imperceptibly. But this is not the time to gloat. The terrified bird was trying to hide from me, but it was stuck. Its beautiful wings were pressed up against the sides of the crack, and underneath its small red feet was just a hole. This was not good. This pigeon deserved better. I stepped away, and I tried to convince myself that this was this pigeon's temple grand and hug machine, and it just liked to spend time in it when it was scared. Maybe all the more introverted local pigeons did this when they needed a time out from the group. Jazz and I drank coffee and periodically checked on the bird, where it remained, flinching at our approach, but otherwise unmoving. The SPCA would require us to catch the bird if we were to get it help. We both knew this because in Vancouver, despite the best efforts of wildlife to coexist with humans, I don't, know, I don't know many people who haven't had to call for help for a bird before. I got on the ground and tried to see how I could safely remove the bird from its oily prison. The pavement was hot and dusty, and small bits of gravel dug into my shins and palms. The chances of breaking the pigeon's wing seemed so high, and whenever I took gentle hold of its shaking body, it burrowed a bit deeper into the crack. I followed Jasmine into Paper Crane to ask the barista if she knew anything about this pigeon. Perhaps my theory that this bird was a very shy bird was true? No such luck. It had hit an electrical wire and fallen about an hour before and was hiding behind the oil bucket the last time she saw it, a few minutes before I scared it into the crack. <laughs> She'd been checking on the bird during her rare moments of quiet between cappuccinos and Americanos, and we explained the new situation, and she provided us with gloves, a tea towel, salad tongs, and a large spatula. <laughs> the barista was now part of a very elite rescue group. I set to work with Jasmine's direction on Operation Pigeon Extraction. I wanted to help. If it wasn't for me, this poor animal might already be at backup flying and pooping on everything. I was shaking as I lay down the dusty ground of the parking lot and the ache of my frozen shoulder, which is a real condition, not something I made up like jelly hoof or ringworm, reminded me that my wings weren't doing so great either. I pulled the gloves on and gently put one hand underneath the bird. Its body was a wonderland. <laughs> How could anything be as light and as soft and as hollow feeling as a bird? and have such power and grace that you can see if you have eyes in your head and a heart in your chest. The pigeon recoiled, understandably, as, as a human. I don't think birds wax poetic about our string bean bodies and angry lives touched it. The bird's wings made a desperate papery noise as they scraped against the cement walls. I let go. Sweat stung my eyes. And if I'd had to silently toot at this time, I couldn't. I stood up, and the parking lot was spinning. That coffee was really strong, the pigeon was so small, the sun so hot, and my heart was beating so hard that I thought I might puke. Jasmine and I decided to try a new approach, with her taking the spatula in one hand to protect the bird's head. <laughs> so we pushed and put it like a boom. Uh, <laughs> my life's very exciting. <laughs> so she put the spatula in front of its head to keep it from pushing forward, as I tried to gently pull it backwards and out. It didn't work. We did this a few more times, carefully, we made progress, taking a break every few minutes, and then starting again. My shoulder was screaming, and I was holding my breath. Finally, the pigeon was free, for a moment. 
The dazed and terrified bird then flew directly into the cafe door and fell, got up, flew into the cafe, and hit the front window. Hard. Jasmine, the barista, and I cornered the pigeon, caught it in the tea towel, and managed to get it outside. This time, the bird hopped onto the planter and rested. By now, the cafe was closed, so Jasmine and I gathered our things and agreed this was a triumph of sorts and hoped the pigeon recovered in, its time before, in time before sundown. I slowly walked home, and I felt good. I felt really good about who we were and what we did that day. And I wished in school we were taught this, how to save small and delicate animals when they don't know they need us to. Maybe somewhere in all of those math equations, it says three women plus one tea towel and a spatula plus compassion equals a free bird. Thank you. That is it. That is the end of the show. Thanks again to all the performers. Copyright Linda Fox, the Lido for having us, Matt Crisco for recording us, CITR for playing us, and you, dear listener, for listening. We'll leave you with copyright Linda Fox's work. It definitely wasn't labor. It was work. We had to do it to survive. So we called it work. W. stayed behind the others had to work a little harder but we knew they wouldn't mind grandmother warned against it but we did it anyway we put our heads together and we invented the state i'm talking about government control
hours, a loss of power. Did you get enough to eat? You don't eat for free though. You don't eat for free though. You don't eat for free. No. And I still feel the urge to be together. To feel the mercy of the weather. The classically trained blood stains. And there's freedom in the desert. There's freedom in the desert. There's freedom up in heaven. to an artificial mind, all reality is virtual. How do they know that the real world isn't just another simulation? How do you? Well, I know I'm not dreaming now because I know what it's like being in a dream. You've been listening to Fine on CITR 101.9 FM, broadcasting from unceded Musqueam territory at the University of British Columbia.